0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance cdkng.com slash bball for eligibility deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome into Kingdom Keys the official pregame podcast for Arrowhead Pride with Maurice Elston and Nate Christensen. I am Nick Short Fellas, there are two weeks left in the regular season for Kansas City and we are still talking about the same thing we've been talking about for two months, which is this slide that continues to lengthen. Yes, you got to win two weeks ago against the New England Patriots, but you followed that up with what I think is the worst loss of the season, a 20-14 to 14 loss to the Las Vegas Raiders, and that seemed to be a moment, not just for fans, because fans have been there for a while, but for the team, for the players. The frustration that we've seen with Patrick Mahomes for the past month seems to be sort of bellowing out around the rest of the team. You had Travis Kelsey going out on his podcast, basically saying there's no accountability right now with all of the mistakes that are happening on that team. There are still two weeks left in the regular season. The Chiefs still have, I believe, at the time of this recording, like a 96% chance of making the playoffs. So I'm not ready to go doomsday scenario quite yet, but it did feel like a new low for Kansas City set in this week. What do you think are the vibes right now around this team heading into this matchup this weekend against Cincinnati? Bad.
2: This is bad because (laughs) I think all year the whole thought was, okay, if the Chiefs just have one to two more wide receivers, everything would be fine. It would click back to being this elite offense that we saw last year. I think Monday, I guess, was the full confirmation that that's just not true anymore. There's a lot more wrong with this than just the wide receivers. They can't run the ball at all. After last year, they were able to run the ball whenever they needed at a a Super Bowl level, at an elite level. They can't run the ball anymore. This has been a thing that's been going on all year. They've had pockets of it looking good, but now it's just broken. They were 3-for-16 on early down runs the other day by success rate. They just can't run the ball. The tight ends are much worse. Kelsey looks older. They can hardly even motion now. How many timeouts did the Chiefs burn Sunday? At least two, based off the fact that they just couldn't get alignment in. How many times do we see the Chiefs get late, you know, late substitutions, late play calls in? This offense just has no teeth to it right now. It's completely broken the crux of it might be the fact that they don't know what to do with their wide receivers and their personnel, but it doesn't change the fact that like everything about this offense is bad. Now they can't even execute basic plays or line up. So yeah, it's very bad. And I don't like the chiefs are basically out of time to fix it.
3: Yeah. I I agree with Nate that it's just bad all the way around. Um, And I honestly think some of this started over the past couple of years, but sometimes winning begins to mask things and you don't you don't fix things that need to be fixed because you want. Right. Like you started with the wide receiving room. The fact that the Chiefs won without Tyree and you figure like Juju is not that hard of a person to play replace. So like, oh, we just won a Super Bowl with this. We're good. We can continue down this this, this path. Oh, yeah. We had Andrew Wiley and, and Orlando Brown in here we can easily replace those two guys with these two guys. And they, it, it was just a patchwork that, that that winning kind of covered up some of these issues. We've seen it sometimes in the past two seasons where the offense just hit a low and we like, what's going on with the chief's offense? What's going on? Then they'll fire off one good quarter where they'll score like 21 points in a row in, in, in the span of a quarter and a half. And you're like, Oh, there it is. But we ignored the fact that it was three quarters, kind of a bad offense. And now it's like that has just finally caught up. I think starting the season with the whole deep wide receiver room, seven wide receivers running that out by committee. When you're running that many different players in and out on every other play at some time, it, it, it's going to be bound for a mix up. It's going to be bound for people not to understand their assignment because it's just hard to run a wide receiver by committee. It's hard to build continuity, rhythm, chemistry, all of that. When every play, every play there's different players shift, shifting and shuffling in. So I really think that um, it's bad. Um, This turns into what it shouldn't be in December, a must-win situation on on Sunday for the Chiefs. And honestly, (laughs) we're going to see. Yeah, I think you guys are right. I think you
1: nailed it on the head there. This seems to be bigger than just, like, one issue. This is not something where, hey, if this guy, if player X just gets a few more snaps, if they give him some more run, if he starts to play more consistently, then all of a sudden – everything starts to open up. This has permeated to the point where it is an organizational issue. Like it, it feels that way. When you hear guys talk, when you watch them Sunday, game in, game out, just when you think, like you said, Nate, okay, if we can just focus on this one thing, then all of a sudden the offensive line starts to fall apart against the Raiders. So to me, this is more of a, we're not fixing it this year. It's how bad can this get before it gets better? Because we know, much like two years ago, Tampa Bay Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes running for his life, Brett Veach goes off, dedicates the entire offseason to retooling that offensive line. You're not just talking about retooling the wide receiver room. You're like, what What else needs to change? What gets to stay, right? Coaching staff, who gets to keep their job this offseason? That is essentially what you're playing for over the final, you know, at least two weeks, but we would hope, you know, a month plus of this season, before we get into the matchup against the Bengals, which, as you said, Maurice, a must-win situation for Kansas City with two weeks in the regular season. Uh, let's get into the injury report for these two
3: teams. All right. So start. I mean, start with Kansas City, and keep in mind we are recording this on the Friday morning. So tomorrow may, uh, when you hear this, may be a little bit more clarity on things. But far as uh, yesterday, did not practice for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, uh, Donovan Smith. Of course, he's been out the last couple of games. He hasn't practiced all week. Isaiah Pacheco with the concussion protocol still hasn't cleared as of yet. Um, Clyde Edwards-Laird is on the um, did not practice yesterday, but it's simply an illness. So hopefully that's not that bad. He was he full practice on Wednesday, then was out yesterday with an illness. Kadarius Tony still hasn't practiced all week with a hip. Um, I think the biggest one on here is um, Legarius Snead popped up this week on it hasn't practiced all week with a, um, a calf injury. So you know, look to see what happens there. As everyone else, you got Trey Smith from Minahu, um, Bolton, um, Jalen Watson, Trent McDuffie, Josh Williams, Mike Edwards, the all, and even on um, McCole Hartman, you know, even though he's on injury reserve, all of them practice for the most part in full capacity. Um, outside of Trey Smith, who's been limited the last couple of days, Bengals coming in, um, fairly healthy. Michael uh, Mitchell Wilcock, um, limited the last day, but what was full on Wednesday, so it may be a setback there. Jamar Chase took a step forward, didn't practice Wednesday, but did practice in a limited fashion on Thursday, and then same thing for Jalen Davis, being limited. But then Cameron Sample and and Cam Taylor Britt practicing full. Um, Britt should be returning probably from injury reserve this week for the Bengals. Um, he's been two full practices, so they probably bring him back. And that's really it for um, for the Bengals. So Bengals look coming in kind of fairly healthy, while the Chiefs is limping into this game. It looks like.
1: Oh, okay, well, uh, Jamar Chase already started uh, earlier this week. Like, I wondered if you guys saw the—I'm sure you did—the locker room conversation. Mm-hmm. He immediately wanted to go after the Chiefs secondary, saying there's nobody there that really scares him. He doesn't think anybody in the Chiefs secondary can cover him one-on-one. Do you guys think he has been waiting for this moment since last year's game when Willie Gay got caught in an awkward situation? Same deal, All right, right? Locker room. What do you think of the Bengals? And he starts to kind of mm, uh I don't know. I don't really know. Like, did Jamar Chase take that so personally that he has waited twelve months for the moment to face the Chiefs again?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, this is even without Joe Burrow, this is still a you know a semi-rivalry, a newer rivalry between two teams that have met a lot these past few years. They have a lot of you know shared experience, um particularly, you know, in the AC championships the past couple of years. So and the Bengals are still in a position where, to their credit, I thought their season was over when Burrow went out, but they fought, they have competed, they put themselves in a position to at least compete for the wild card still. But I do believe if they lose this Sunday, that's pretty much over. So I think that anything uh, Jamar Chase or any player can do to kind of get themselves revved up for this game, uh, particularly when it's an opponent that they can really hurt in terms of their playoff seating is something that they're going to you know take advantage of.
3: Yeah, this this has kind of turned into a rivalry, right? Um, organically. And that's the ones you like that it's not kind of pushed by the media and it just organically turned into a rivalry. So Chase said what you think he would say, right? He, he, he said what 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 you know what he's supposed to say. And it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting battle. All right, Maurice, let's start with you. You have your pick of the litter with keys for the cheese. There
1: is pretty much any aspect of this team that you can focus on that needs to get better. That needs to improve, but most importantly, needs to play well on Sunday for the Chiefs to get a win. Where are you going with this one?
3: I'm going to go for for the Chiefs to win at at this point. I'm going to go away from the offense and I'm going to put it on the defense and I'm going to put it on the pass rush. Um, for the Chiefs to win this week, you got you got Jake Browning in there. He's he, he's been you know solid at times, right? You've seen some flashes solid. You've seen some flashes. Say why he's the backup, right? I think the Chiefs need to do everything within their power to rattle him um, and, and get him off his mark, get him moving. Um, he's not as pocket as where is as a Joe Burrow, of course, right? So I think, you know, the Chiefs have gotten to Joe Burrow in the past and couldn't get him down a lot of times just because of Joe Burrow's pocket awareness. Browning doesn't possess that same pocket awareness that that Joe Burrow possesses. So I feel if the Chiefs can get there like they got there in the past, They'll have much more of a success rate at bringing Browning down than they did with a Joe Burrow. They'll be, I think, Spags will be able to confuse Browning where you know you don't confuse with Joe Burrow with some of the some of the looks sometimes. So I think the key to it is not only getting to him, but a couple of strip sacks for this Chiefs team to have a chance to continue to get to the playoffs and then to to make a run in the playoffs. This defense is going to not only have to get stopped; they're going to have to create turnovers. And put the offense where they don't have to drive the whole field to be able to find to find success. Limit the amount of plays that the offense can make mistakes on. So um, I definitely think for the, for the Chiefs to have any success this week, it's not going to, it's going to be mainly just getting to the quarterback and, and creating some turnovers.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with the way the offense is playing now. They can't generate explosive plays. They're not even making targets downfield anymore. So the only way they can really score points is by short fields at this point and you know it's hard to ask too much more of this defense for how they played all year but I mean that this is what the idea of the team is now they're gonna have to try and create more turnovers so for you know Spagnolo, he might have to get very creative and try and do these you know designer plays that are a little more risk and reward because otherwise if you're just lining up playing your normal defense you're more you're less likely to get the same amount of turnover so it is interesting to see if the Chiefs have to, like, if on defense they have to change the way they play to try and create opportunities for an offense that really can't take advantage of long fields or three and outs or anything like that. They can't afford to have their other team pump, basically.
1: Yeah, it's it's so odd now, like, looking at this matchup where you, you we thought before the season, like, maybe AFC Championship game preview again. These are the two best teams, and the Joe Burrow injury changes a lot of things, but this team was struggling to start the Mm. season even when Burrow was healthy, and yet they had a three-game losing streak middle of the season. All of a sudden, come back, got really hot, and everything sort of fizzled last week when they lost to the Steelers. So this team, like on paper, doesn't do anything particularly well. Like offensively, defensively, it's been a mess in Cincinnati As of late, they can't run the ball. I mean, you want to talk about a team that is having issues rushing the ball. Nate, like Cincinnati Mm -hmm. might be the worst rushing team in the NFL this year. And on paper, like it's really tough to figure out how this team is going to steal a win against the Chiefs. Yet that's independent of what we're talking about with Kansas City, who showed you last week. They can lose to just about anybody in the NFL. You can lose to the Raiders. You can certainly lose to the Bengals. Uh, what What is your key for this one, Nate?
2: Yeah, well, it is it is back to offense, but it's not the wide receivers of play calling. It, it really does start with the offensive line for this team. When they made all their decisions this offseason at wide receiver, and last year too, the thought was we have Travis Kelsey, we have Patrick Mahomes, we have our play calling, but we also have this offensive line that we can lean on whenever needed. And that was the difference for last year's team. Think about the Super Bowl versus the Eagles. Think about the game at the Chargers. Whenever they needed to, they could run the ball. They could lean on the offensive line for a half, drives, whatever. That's just simply not been the case this year. The offensive line is just all around regressed. Jawan Taylor has just kind of, I'm just, frankly, he's been a disaster signing. It hasn't worked out. The penalties, the pressures all the time. Even if you want to say he's better than Andrew Wiley was last year, he's not $18 million better than Andrew Wiley. Juanya Morris, I thought, showed good stuff the first two weeks he started, but the last two weeks have been a lot more rough, particularly last week. Wanya was just a massive problem for the team last week. Trey Smith has just not had the same year that he's had the first two years in his career. His pass protection's been way more of a problem. I wouldn't even argue this has been Creed Humphrey or Joe Tooney's best year. I don't think they've been poor by any means, but they certainly haven't played as well. And they that just can't be the, the thing for this team. They can't also have bad offensive line performance alongside wide receiver performance because this team has invested a lot in the offensive line. Jawan Taylor is going to be here for multiple years now. Moore, like this team probably with all their needs can't go out and get another left tackle. So they're probably going to have to go into next year saying Wanya Morris is the left tackle. The interior is set in for another year. Most likely they have to rediscover the identity on the offensive line in some way. That's both run game, pass protection, there's, it doesn't matter if the Chiefs get two new wide receivers this offseason if the offensive line continues to be a mess and it's frankly very disappointing because like I know they have new tackles but this should be a team that is solidified and strong on the offensive line and they just haven't been that all year and it really feels like it's falling apart now and going into next year into the pot, they have to rediscover their identity there because otherwise like then we have some serious concerns about how are they going to be able to build this offense long term
1: and that's interesting because when you talk about individual pieces on the offensive line and the interior that you discussed like that's been the bread and butter for like the idea that they have one of the best interior offensive lines in the nfl i do wonder like how much of the issues at tackle have affected the interior because guys who play offensive line will tell you this all the time like it is a collective unit and it's really hard for you to do your job to your best capabilities when the guys next to you aren't and i'm not like trying to give the guys on the inside a, a complete pass here mm. but i do think like there is an element of sure. i can't do my job if you're not doing your job and so I, I, that we saw that come to a head last week versus the raiders
2: my theory on this and this is just a theory i wouldn't be able to say like a definitive on this we orlando brown and andrew wiley were not great tackles last year like you can look all the pressure numbers were they that good like no not really the difference between those two and this year's tackles is that those two wiley and brown were really good run blockers they could do a lot of different things in the run game so the chiefs were able to really have a diverse good run game last year even without the fact that they didn't have great blocking tight ends last year this is kind of the way the chiefs have built the team they do have very good blocking tight ends This year, Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith for most of the year, and even Wanya Morris now, they're not very good run blockers. And I think the Chiefs have really struggled to find like answers for the fact that they can't run like perimeter runs because their tackles both really struggle in the run game, and they haven't been able to find out like runs that work for their tackles while also mitigating for the fact they don't have a dominant blocking tight end. And I, you know, the. There's not, there are other teams in the league that don't have run great run blocking tackles. Like the Chiefs have a great interior. They maybe they just need to call interior runs all the time. They just have to be able to find some version of a run game. Cause, like I mentioned, Jawan Taylor and Wanya Morris, they're back next year. So you can't use the excuse that we can get new personnel. Like you signed Jawan Taylor long term. So you have to be able to find a run game that works around what those players' strengths and weaknesses are. Maybe that goes offseason finding a new tight end. But I think that's the main difference between this year's run game and last year's run game is that they're bad at both tackle and tight end, while last year they were just bad at tight end and run blocking.
3: And I think with the run game, too, like because of how the tackles have performed, it has caused you to see the limitations of what Isaiah Pacheco mm-hmm. really can yes. do. And like I, I really – I'm a fan of Isaiah Pacheco. I really feel like he's a, he's a good running back. But he's not a dynamic back. He's not going. He doesn't have the shiftiness or the wiggle that's going to make anyone miss in the open field or anything. Either he's going to use his burst to run past you, um, and even as hard as he runs, he doesn't break necessarily a lot of tackles. He may carry somebody for three or four yards, or however, but he doesn't break a lot of tackles. Mm. In, you know, to 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 mitigate the fact that the ta- that his tackles so or somebody gets to him in the backfield. For the most part, he's going down. He doesn't make that one person missing the backfield and continue going. So I think that it's shown, achieves that, like, not only do we have a tackle problem, we need to get somebody more dynamic in the running game here as well. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. So
1: for, for my key, this would be because of everything that we've just discussed, shoddy offensive line play, wide receiver play that's just been abysmal this season. This would be like the typical moment where I think we would all probably just look at Patrick Mahomes and say, hey, man your time to shine. Go be Patrick Mahomes. But we saw him try to do that last week. We saw him try to do the prototypical, I'm the best player in football. Nothing around me is working, so I'll just go do it all myself. And it didn't work. It was very reminiscent of the Super Bowl loss to the Buccaneers, where he started evading the pocket when he didn't need to, like sensing pressure that's not there it was almost like deja vu saying, here we go again. The problem is it's not at the end of the season. It's while you still have very meaningful games left in front of you. So that can't be the answer, right? It can't be Patrick Mahomes, go save this because it's, the problem's bigger than him. It's bigger than any one player. So immediately I go to your hall of fame head coach and Andy Reid, like this is one of the greatest guys to ever do it. And I think there is the line of thinking that, okay, it's the GM's job to set your team up for the next five years. It is the head coach's job to set your team up to win every single game week by week. The problem is I don't think Brett Veach did his head coach many favors with the roster that he's constructed. And they have been fighting against that all season long. We have seen the flaws in this roster construction since day one. Yet here we are with two weeks to go. Everything you want is still out in front of you it's Andy, it's up to Andy Reid now. It's because we can talk about Matt Nagy and the play calling. I think everybody in this chat realizes and understands like Andy Reid is calling these plays. Andy Reid is constructing these offenses. And like, it's time to earn your keep. It's time to earn the status of being one of the greatest coaches of all time. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it means, Hey, this is difficult. You've done difficult things in the past. Like it's up to you. There's nobody else that we can turn to. If Mahomes can't do it, if the wide receivers aren't going to step up, if the offensive line plays looking shoddy, there is only one guy who could possibly fix it. And it may be a bigger issue than Andy Reid. It looks like it might be. But Buck stops somewhere, and it's got to stop with you. And I don't know, like, the answer. I'm not a football savant to the point where I could tell Andy Reid what he needs to do for this game against Cincinnati. But you're one of the greatest play callers and one of the most innovative offensive minds in the history of football. You got to pull that rabbit out of your hat here, not just for the Cincinnati game, but for the rest of the season if this isn't going to be a one and done playoff team in a couple of weeks.
2: Make no mistake about this. Andy Reid signed off on every offensive decision. This is not like this is Andy Reid's offense still. He decided that he needed new tackles this offseason. He decided that, hey, we don't need a wide receiver, um, one level caliber put like a DeAndre Hopkins or an Odell Beckham or whatever. He signed off on all of this. Like it's, there's no other way of saying it. And yeah, like you can blame, well, the Matt Nagy versus Beanie part. And I think there is some truth to that. I think Beanie was someone that could really do a good job, keeping you guys accountable and installing an offense. And I think there's justifiable questions on whether Nike can do that based off his history, but it doesn't really matter because this is Andy Reid's offense. He designs all the plays. He meets with Patrick Mahomes every week to establish the game plan. He manages how he, uh, you know, builds a game plan every weekend, week out. It's Everything's on him. So it, it doesn't matter. You can have anybody at offensive coordinator you want, but this ultimately is his offense. It's his design. It's his decisions. And, yeah, I think it's fair to be concerned or question Reed, not just for the rest of the season, but long-term. He's got to find answers for this because – like i I keep harping but like he has to rediscover what the run game was because we know in the Patrick Mom's era prior to last year, running the football was a struggle for this team. And it really felt like last year they had figured it out and then it regressed this year. And there's other parts of the offense that just haven't been as good, like, you know, installing plays, getting people on the same page, everyone knowing all the play calls and stuff like that. Like all those things are all on Andy Reed. It's like yeah, and also the personnel decision. So yeah, Andy Reid is gonna have to solve Starting the rest of the season and going into next year, like what does he want his offense to look like moving forward? Cause the next, you know, few years, however long Andy has left to coach, like he's still gonna be the guy making all the decisions on the offense. So he he's gonna have to make some hard looks in the mirror to figure out what went wrong this season and how to kind of fix it. And and you know, like you mentioned, there's still time the rest of this season. He hit a low point. Andy Reid hit a low point on Monday, and he's gonna have to be able to quickly rediscover something. Otherwise, the Chiefs are not going to have very much left on their season.
1: Yeah, Maurice, I'd be interested to get your take on this because we saw during that game, like, when Travis Kelsey throws his helmet and Andy Reid comes back and, like, is putting it down and kind of, like, challenging him, like, we need you right now. You don't see Andy do that kind of stuff during the game simply because – Like the knock on him, if you want to call it that, is like he is so focused on the play calling. He is so focused on what is in front of him that like he takes more of a CEO approach to being like the leader of this team, as opposed to being a guy who's constantly like coaching and challenging these dudes. And it felt like maybe this is like taking too much of what was a small moment during that game. But it felt like that was a moment where maybe he realized, like, I've got to do more of the leading of this team as opposed to just being the coach.
3: Yeah, I think I think that moment was very much needed um, and not only just with Andy Reed with the player that it happened with. Um, I think I think Andy Reed needed to get in the face and get on a Patrick Mahomes or a Travis Kelsey Chris Jones caliber of player to set that president as like I still I, I still got this, right? Because a lot of times, and Andy is—he's like—he's he, been a, one of those leaders that allows his staff to do what his staff is supposed to do, and he doesn't get in the way of that. And those type of leaders are are people love them, right? Because you get you people love to work for him. But I think he he might have to go back, you know, for definitely at the beginning of Pat's career, you would see Andy be the one sitting down with Pat after the offense, seeing what he sees. He may need to go back to some of that. But I think, like you said, Nick, like I think that moment was a very good moment to say. I'm going to have to get into the face of some of them. I'm going to have to let them know that this is not OK because they right now, I think he sees like the only person that can correct this shit is is me. And I think for so long in this offense and in most of Andy Reid's offense, he had somebody that can take the top off the defense. That was a threat because his offense is really built off spacing. And now that the Chiefs really don't have anybody with MBS losing that 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 that, that step, half a step, and, and him digressing, that took away a lot of what Andy could do because nobody respects the Chiefs going long anymore at all. And when that, that messed up the space for everything else, and this roster this year was built off potential. We hope this guy can be this. We hope this guy can step in and do this. We hope this guy can do this. We was expecting them to turn into something. That simply hasn't happened, and I think it's needed. Sometimes you need a season like this to be like, okay, we just can't hang our head on what we used to do. We got to go out and actually put the get people that not only has potential but have shown <laughs> that they can do this over a longevity of 16 to 17 games and get the type of players that can put Andy Reid in the best position. I think the only thing Andy Reid has to do now – is be the person that holds him accountable, and he's going to have to simplify things. Like, it's going to have to be quick. We can't – Pat Pat ain't going to be able to drive back and hold that ball like, like he's normally hoping something's going to open up. It's not. <laughs> like, so it has to be quick schemes to, to get people open. All right, well,
0: uh,
1: vibes are pretty low right now. Let's see how we feel here in a couple of minutes. Let's get to game predictions. This game is at Arrowhead. The Chiefs are a seven-point favorite. For Cincinnati this weekend, Nate. Let's start with you. Where you going? That
2: seven point line blows my mind. I really don't get how. Like, I know the Bengals had a really bad loss in Cincinnati, but I honestly think a lot of it is the fact that they didn't have Jamar Chase, and they have Jamar Chase presumably this week. It's not confirmed he's back, but we can pretty much assume he'll be back. I'm picking the Bengals. I have no reason to pick the Chiefs right now, based off what they've been this past eight week stretch. I don't think the chiefs have a lot of answers on offense right now and another thing about this is the chiefs have two less days to rest the bengals played on saturday the chiefs played monday the chiefs have played a game that frankly could break their season like that was a awful performance on national tv everyone saw everyone saw the frustrations maybe it's a moment they galvanize but we've been looking for that galvanizing moment all year and it never really came And I just have no reason to believe it right now. I have no reason to believe this offense is going to figure anything out on a short week with more injuries. We don't even know if the Jerry is going to play. Like right now, he hasn't been practicing. If he doesn't play, what's your answer for Jamar Chase and T. Higgins? It's probably not as good. So I have the Bengals winning 17 to 14. I just have no confidence that the Chiefs can be any good team right now. The Bengals are not a great team, but they're still a competent, good team that has a lot of reason to come to this game and try and win. And until I see something different from the Chiefs, I just have no expectation that they're going to beat any good team, frankly.
1: All right, Maurice, Nate has set the tone here for the game picks. What about you? How are you feeling about the Chiefs' chances?
3: I won't lie. Like, every part of me wants to go Bengals here, and I have no reason to really pick the Chiefs, but I am. Um, And this is hope. (laughs) This is me holding on to a last glimmer of of, of hope for, for this team. Um, I think it's going to be a fight. Um, Hopefully they can just hang in there and fight it out. I'm going to say Chiefs, and I'm going to say 23-20. I don't think um, any of these games has ever been decided by less than three points um, or more than three points. So I'm going to stick on that line. Say, Chiefs get a last-minute field goal, probably from deep, probably like a fifty-something yarder, <laughs> if we it, 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 it take home the win. Twenty because it's a must. But think about it, it's a must-win situation for the Chiefs and a must-win situation to, for the Bengals to keep their playoffs hopes alive. So going to be another dogfight, a rivalry, but without Snead, if Snead is not able to go, that's going. That's going put a whole tough thing on what the Chiefs have been doing on defense all year long um, and definitely coming up against these two dynamic receivers and chief Higgins and DeMar Chase. But somehow, some way, hopefully the Chiefs is out by three.
1: Yeah, so like these past two weeks, even with the Patriots win, I think this is the worst two game stretch of the season. It's easy to say that when you have the worst loss of the season baked in there, but the Chiefs offense didn't look good versus New England either. And when you go back to these past like, six, seven weeks, since the bye, since you beat Miami in Germany, you are what two and four. And those two wins are against the Raiders and the Patriots, like two teams who are basically playing, like those guys are playing for roster spots. Coaches are coaching for jobs, like in the case of Antonio Peterson, Bill Belichick. This is a different level of, of like rock bottom that we've seen for Kansas City, yet. I go back to that Dolphins game, which that was a long time ago. But you didn't win that game because the offense was great. You won that game because you held the most explosive offense in the NFL to 14 points. And as I look towards this game against Jake Browning, as much as we've talked about the keys on offense, this defense, like there's still a like This defense has still been playing good, even with the loss last week. This is still a top five unit, maybe top three unit in the NFL and I just feel like an opportunity against the Bengals a team you haven't played unlike the Raiders we saw just five weeks ago a team you haven't played this year a quarterback who Jake Browning's been better than expected but the turnovers are still there like it's still not great with the Cincinnati offense and their explosiveness is nowhere to be seen either I feel like this defense will do enough to get the win I guess my caveat would be I don't know that it's going to be a win that's going to leave us feeling any better about the direction of this team with one week to play. So, yeah, I'm going to go I'm going to go 14-10 Kansas City. Like I, I can, show me that you can be an offense that can move the ball consistently, that can finish in the red zone, that can pick up big third down. Like show me you can do that and that will be a nice sign, but there's there's nothing that this team can do against Cincinnati that's gonna leave us feeling super confident with one week to go in the regular season. So I'm kind of on the same boat as you guys. I do think the defense is like the only elite unit that's gonna be on the field. Mm -hmm. So that's why I give the Chiefs the nod. I'll give them 14-10, ugly win, and we're probably talking about a lot of the same things next week in the regular season finale. Fellas, it's been fun, a holiday miracle for Kingdom Keys. Be sure if you haven't already, Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back again next week getting you ready for the regular season finale against Easton Stick and the Los Angeles Chargers, fellas. From Maurice Elston, Nate Christensen, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premiere. It's obviously an exciting time as the Chiefs enter this season, looking to become the first back-to-back Super Bowl champs in nearly 20 years. Arrowhead Pride Premiere is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from Voices Around Kansas. The city. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after each game to unpack exactly what happened. In the offseason, the party won't stop. We'll still be covering the biggest stories and all of the offseason's twists and turns will show up in your inbox on a regular basis. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe.